0: This election is a choice.
1: This election will determine whether we can come together. This election is absolutely crucial. What's really important, of course, is... To all and a giant through rival. Please explain. You're listening to the 4 Z Breaks the Election podcast. Hello, election watchers. Welcome to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast, where our newsroom breaks down what is happening in the election for April 21, 2022, just 29 days until the federal election. My name is Alexis Pink. Joining us today is the 4 Triple Z newsroom.
0: Hi, I'm Miyuki. And I'm Catherine. My, I'm Heidi.
1: And on today's show, we'll be talking about the politics around the Solomon Islands security deal with China, Scott Morrison's disability gaffe at the big debate, Concerns from activists around access to the role for mentally disabled people And the weird outcomes from the Mavericks debate (laughs) And all of that coming up soon But I think we might start with Heidi Can you tell us a little bit more about what's happening with the Solomon Islands?
0: So yesterday the Solomon Islands signed a controversial security pact with China The deal has Australia as well as New Zealand and the United States Fearing the development of a Chinese naval base in the area Labour has heavily criticised the government's decision to send Pacific Minister Zed Seselja instead of Foreign Minister Maurice Payne, with Penny Wong calling the deal the worst Australian foreign policy blunder in the Pacific since the end of
1: World War II. It is very interesting. So why would Penny Wong be saying something like that?
2: Um, as we know, the Solomon Islands is a really critical position in the Pacific. It's less than 2,000 kilometres away from Cairns extremely close and a really important naval base and we know China's been interested in the area for a really long time. Scott Morrison has been kind of toying this really fine line between his hard policy against China and also being respectful of the Solomon Islands sovereignty. So they are an independent country, they can do as they choose and Scott Morrison was trying to be very sensitive he says to making sure Australia didn't seem like they were telling them what to do but it did seem like a bit of a, a mess up and not taking the situation as seriously as it as it happened
1: so one of the big things that um, penny wong and the labor party have been highlighting is australia's sort of absenteeism in foreign aid especially to places like the solomon islands over the last few years especially under the under the liberal coalition government that has led to a situation where they have looked for other partners and china is an obvious choice for that because they are quite well financed and they have quite a strong military Will security issues play a role in certain electorates in the country?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I think at the forefront of the coalition's bid for this election has been border security and being very strict on borders, yet we see this as kind of a major setback and kind of undermines their policy that they've been putting forward and importance they put on this. I do think it will reduce the faith a little in that strong border policy that they've been presenting forward so much.
0: Yeah, I think, too, uh, because it's China that has been the alternate option for these, you know, island nations, it hits a nerve with certain demographics in Australia because of that underlying anti-Chinese sentiment that unfortunately does exist in parts of our country.
1: Here's some things that are happening with um, the AEC today. Catherine, tell us a little bit more about this advocacy around mental health and the AEC.
0: Yeah, so a collective of 65 organisations and experts have produced an open letter to the federal government calling for a legislative repeal to protect the right to vote for Australians living with disabilities. So currently, the Commonwealth Electoral Act 1918, section 93 allows the Australian Electoral Commission to remove Australians deemed of unsound mind from the electoral roll. Under these provisions, approximately 28,000 Australians were removed from the electoral roll from 2008 to 2012. The Australian Lawyers for Human Rights suggested these provisions are in direct conflict with the Convention of the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, Article 29, which guarantees to persons with disabilities political rights on an equal basis with others. And in 2014, recommendations to repeal the Act were put forth by the Australian Law Reform Commission in the Equality, Capacity and Disability in Commonwealth Laws report, but have yet to be actioned
1: that is very interesting. 28,000 people is quite a lot of people. That's probably a little closer to a quarter. Um, It's about 100,000 people to an electorate, so it might have some significant impacts on some elections. More importantly, how will this affect people who are experiencing a certain amount of mental disability
0: yeah well unsoundness um, kind of remains open to debate and classification so it could potentially expand to cover a range of people including those with learning and psychosocial disabilities which essentially means if someone is so impacted by for example bipolar anxiety uh, general depression they could be deemed unfit on that basis
1: quite serious potentially that could cover a lot of people but it is only the twenty-eight thousand people that we're talking about at the moment On the issue of disabilities, we've got to turn to the debate last night and Scott Morrison's less than agile approach to that particular issue. Um, Miyuki, what happened?
2: So Scott Morrison has come under fire today for his comments at last night's debate. While responding to a question from the audience, he said that he and his wife Jenny have been blessed for having two children without a disability. The comments have received widespread criticism with Opposition Senator Katie Gallagher labelling the remarks as shocking and offensive. The blunder has reignited criticism about the government's handling of and commitment to the NDIS after recent reports found that the average spending per NDIS participant fell 4% in 2021.
1: So this sort of flows into a sort of certain pattern with Scott Morrison when it comes to communities that aren't in his sort of direct sphere of influence. What are mental health groups saying about these comments and why is it important?
2: A lot of people have been saying that these kind of comments are quite disrespectful and a bit out of touch. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Well, quite a bit out of touch, actually. (laughs) So a lot of parents have been commenting and saying that their child is a blessing. Any child is a blessing. And for Scott Morrison to say that he can't really understand, or not that he can't understand, but he can only hope to understand the aspirations these parents have for their children is a bit of a missed mark when it comes to these issues
1: yeah it is a bit of a blind spot for the prime minister in particular only being able to empathize through direct examples um, like when we were talking about um Brittany higgins earlier in the year and his need to see that through the eyes of his wife jenny and how he was roasted for that particular <laughs> <laughs> got set of comments as well.
2: Absolutely. It does feel like the last in a string of kind of, yeah.
1: It also does flow into Labour's narrative yesterday around the NDIS being neglected during the time the Coalition's been in charge.
2: Absolutely. So I think it is really interesting that of the, f- um, how the spending has fallen by 4% in 2021, especially considering that COVID was very much still rife last year. For example, those who had um, children who were in school, they were no longer getting the support that they would have in those school facilities. They were required to teach their children at home. And the question is, where was that funding going and how were they getting that support?
1: So we should probably move on to our last thing. <laughs> oh, wow. So yesterday we chatted about last night's leaders debate where Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese presented their pitch for votes of, un- of 100 undecided voters however there was another debate later on with pauline hansen campbell newman clive palmer and bob Katter, moderated by paul murray at a pub very formal debating <laughs> the debate was billed as a no-holds um, event and let politicians get down to the nitty-gritty and really debate the key issues what ended up happening was a lot of agreement, especially on things like vaccine mandates, um, the approach to China, and the trustworthiness of major parties, which, of course, none of them trust major parties, <laughs> that seemed to prompt more questions as to why these parties exist as separate entities, considering their policies are so very, very similar. <laughs> okay, immediate thoughts about a debate between these three people. Miyuki.
2: Absolutely. So it did seem like a bit of a big joke. (laughs) Um, I think when you have people saying, Akhokata said something along the lines of, you know, every young boy should have a gun, and you put that in a pub setting. (laughs) I think, was there much political activity going on? I'm not quite sure. It just seems like they're all kind of agreeing with each other about these wild, crazy ideas. And I think... You know, Paul Murray said that the these kind of debates are really, really important because they do represent a large majority of... Not a large majority, but they do represent a portion of the vote that's important. But I think when you look at the fact that the Greens was absent from both debates, who make up a much, much larger proportion of the um, potential votes, so I think it's, yeah, an yeah. interesting one.
1: <laughs> Based on polling so far, all four of these parties added together doesn't equal the Greens' primary vote in polling. <laughs> so... Catherine, did this add anything to your understanding of these parties, or was this just a bit of a waste of time?
0: I I think it deepened what I already thought. I think you do need disagreement, that's probably the primary criteria for a debate, is uh, two sides. We're being a bit generous, I think, with our classification. Perhaps these parties do represent a large portion of Australians in terms of who they are voting for, but they don't represent a large portion of Australians as a demographic, I would say, because we have these people with very similar views that really don't delve into the nuance that we have, especially in maybe some of the cityscapes, some of the more multicultural areas, so to speak.
1: Okay, I think that's about all the time that we have for on the podcast today. Thank you for listening to f- the 4 Z Breaks the Election podcast. For more news, head to 4 forward slash news or listen to 4 Z on 102.1 FM on DAB DAB Plus Radio via the 4 Z website or, of course, on your favourite podcasting app, which, if you have a tip-off or feedback about the show, please email us, newsroom at 4ZZZ.org.au.